Welcome, vagrants, to another episode discussion. We are talking a lot of death, destruction, and betrayal this week. Dun, dun, dun. Of course, <laughs> it's episode five, titled Temple of Doom. Doom. The original air date was April 30th, 2020. The directors were Natalie Harhoff and Cindy Lee. The writer on this one was Jem Gerard. And of course, as always, it's based on the comic book by Magdalene Visaggio and Jason Smith. The IMDb synopsis is, The team arrive on Wix to unexpected revelations. Betrayal leads to a bloody showdown. And that's all certainly one way to put it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean if that there, is a way. <laughs> if there were one phrase to sum up this episode, it's everything changes. Okay, so maybe that's stretching it a little bit, but the basic point stands. There's a lot happening in this episode. Of course, the massive death count is just par for the course for this show at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but this episode is twistier than a pretzel, whether it's us finding out about Alita's mother... Us learning about Hath's true intentions, Isaac's betrayal, or Lazaro seizing the power of the steers at, it's just an absolute whirlwind of an hour. That's an understatement. But, but of course we have to start at the beginning here, and damn, that ship crash did a number on the team, didn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's pieces flying everywhere. <laughs> hey, and small surprise that Isaac is just plain jaded by the time Dengar finally gets there to rescue him. Yeah, well, I mean, he he put up a fight with that uh, creature with the yellow, disgusting-smelling pus stuff. (laughs) I small wonder he ended up passing out after all of that. I, yeah. Well, he really sold the, uh, the smelliness, the odor. I felt like I could almost smell it. Oh, yeah. Let's start off with the colors and visual effects for the episode. I am pretty sure I took all of my notes on colors in the flashback sections. And I mean, yeah, the desert is... Shocker! The desert! And even the temple is about what you'd expect from that sort of thing. Not really much in the way of that sort of thing to speak of there. Right. Yeah, so I I have the... um... The, I, I believe they're like weather vanes or some kind of um, equipment to monitor Jupiter. Um, but yeah, they just, they look really cool. I mean, you just see all these machines around the, the, the planet, or at right. least in the, the monitor that we see, the little of Jupiter. Um, and the black hole later on that swallows the ship was a beautiful shade of bright pink it was (laughs) and after the ship is you know yanked into another galaxy the colors (laughs) the colors in the spacescape are gorgeous blends of pinks and magentas and teals yeah there's just really this nice before and after sort of contrast the Oranges and of and reds of Jupiter and the general darkness of everything surrounding it, and then, and then the bright pink as the ship gets sucked through the black hole, and then of course Isaac ends up in this new galaxy. And yes, it's gorgeous and it's beautiful, but it's uncharted territory for Isaac all the same. 
Right. I mean, that's it's it's tough. It's beautiful, but it's tough. Right. Um, so obviously we are back to our our usual um, of having episode having flashbacks in the episode after a reprieve from the last time and we finally get to see Isaac's story unfold. The first flashback of the episode starts off right away with Jupiter. You know the one, which is great. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I loved it. We are so used to seeing that another galaxy, not yours, that the new line is refreshing and and kind of tongue-in-cheek, I think. Right. <laughs> Very much fits the tone of the show. Definitely. So we see him, um, you know, on a call with his wife, his pregnant wife, and she tries to, you know, engage in perhaps a risque thing, but it turns out to be a hamburger. And that right. scene is hilarious. When when this show when this episode aired, I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> Much like Isaac, and I think it really goes right. to um, it goes on to display what kind of love that Isaac had in his relationship. Um, you know, just showing that it was well rounded and real and. Much like the baby names, the first name he throws out, I had to assume that that was, that was the baby's name, but then we get a no, and he tosses out another one, and another one, so, yeah. Did you have a favorite name? Because I think mine was Gertrude. I mean, I'm a fan of Rachel myself, but then I'm kind of biased because I am a Rachel by way of my middle name. What can I say? Well, it's a good name. Solid. That it is. Uh, I do have to bring up how surreal it is to see Tim without a beard. I mean, we talked about that a bit during our interview with Tim a while back, and it's honestly kind of amazing they were even able to pull that off for the flashbacks. Yeah, and I mean, in in that interview, we, we had to talk. Um, Tim had to really uh, petition to have that um, happen. So there was a lot of... Right. Backroom discussions on, well, will this work out? What, how long do we need? <laughs> and then, of course, everything goes downhill. No fear, you're safe in here. He's got to be up there as far as it comes to famous last words. And before yeah. <laughs> we all, and before we know it, Isaac is all alone in an unfamiliar galaxy and stuck for two weeks on this tiny little ship. Yeah, that's got, I mean, the thoughts that you must have. I mean, two weeks is a long time to be alone in the middle of literally nowhere. But after Isaac gets rescued, we have some more examples of that relatable quote-unquote realness in the form of the ship worker. So we first meet him. He really doesn't know how to read the room, um, and he's just super excited about how Isaac arrived in the galaxy, but Later, when we see him, he talks about jobs and minimum wage and health plans. I mean, right. how much more mundane can you get? <laughs> I mean, in the end, at least he was helpful and pointed Isaac towards the scav life. And I mean, you kind of have to admire Isaac and all this for being able to pick himself up after everything that happened to him. I mean, 
Even with the odds being so slim that he's actually going to make it back to Earth, he refuses to back down so easily, and so he sets his mind toward that goal, and he just gets down to work. Yeah, it's very, very respectable, unlike what we see of him later. Yeah. But this episode is very hero-centric, which... I mean, it sounds dumb to say because aren't all episodes right. hero-centric, <laughs> but, um, but we've split up our main crew a lot in the season so far, and so this episode, they all stay together for the most part. There's a couple of scenes where they're apart, um, right. but there, there isn't a whole lot in the way of the Republic, though we will talk about that later. Yeah. Um, we start with Isaac with his ejector seat, and the first time I watched, I did not catch it directly, but Isaac and Alita blame each other for the horrible decision of having the ejector seat Horrible is an understatement, I feel like. <laughs> right, so take a listen and decide for yourself who is responsible. I told you, Alita, an ejector seat... This is super fun for a freaking spaceship. The others? Everyone is here except Isaac. His stupid ejector seat threw him further away. Dengar's out searching for him now. I mean, I just love that bit with the ejector seat. There's just that whole feeling there of, why did we do that? I mean, come on. What good is an ejector seat going to do if you just get ejected into the cold vacuum of space without any sort of (laughs) protection? Yeah, well, you never know. I mean, it could come in handy. And actually, in the comics, it it does um, show Isaac floating around in the vacuum of space, and he does get rescued, so... Thank goodness for that. (laughs) Um, Moving on, once Isaac is reunited with the team, ejector seat faux pas in the past... He and Elita chat, and here we are with another pop culture reference. And Elita is so proud that she remembered Indiana Jones. You could just see it yeah. on her face. Um, and of course, the episode is called Temple of Doom, so we had to have an indie joke, right? It really was inevitable, wasn't it? <laughs> For I sure. Mean- we, we, we do have to talk about the temple because I think that's one of the biggest twits, twists of the episode. Not only are we not actually finding Alita's mother here, which is a major blow to her, but also Hath has essentially turned Alita and the Winnipeg gang into unwilling chess pieces in this greater game involving the Steersad, which of course ends up backfiring dramatically, to say the least. To say the least, yeah. Let's unpack that. Um, This is arguably the biggest storyline of the episode, is um, Hath's betrayal, and then also Isaac's betrayal later on. So let's start off with Hath. Uh, I mean, you have to remember, this guy was like a father to Alita growing up. And the fact that he... The fact that he lied to her about something so big was just huge. And I hate that Dengar Dengar and Krab were complicit in that. And, I mean, Ered was as well when we had Ered. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, yep, rip. 
the loyalty was less about Elita or whoever was the ruler, whoever happened to be the ruler, and more about the idea of the monarchy. And I mean, we know how Alita feels about the monarchy. We, we, we know the steer's edge. She would have wanted nothing to do with. So I, I do kind of get it. Not that it's good in any sense, but the loyalists really have to sort of slowly bring Alita to this point where she really has no choice but to go along with the plan. And while I do get it from the perspective of the loyalists, that does hurt for Alita. Yeah. Um, so we have Alita, who saw her mom get shot, and then mourned for her, then was told she was alive, and now finding out not only that her mom was actually dead the whole time, but that one of the most trusted people that she had failed her. Right. So the acting in this scene was amazing. Um, I could literally see the emotions that the characters were going Same. through. I mean, all of the characters, but especially Alita, um, was going through the most just one after another. And I'll run I'll run through it as I saw them. So she starts off with disbelief, shock, surprise, disappointment, bitter, sadness, betrayal, anger, mourning for her mother all over again, distrust, back to anger, and finally sadness because she feels like she really lost half. And you really do feel for Alita in this scene because, geez, talk about an absolute bombshell to drop. I mean, they used her. They they used her as a pawn. And they sort of tossed aside her humanity in the process and, and we see the consequences of that i mean i just think of alita go, going to hith like you mean nothing to me yeah one well, and her lion you know that she would shoot him without hesitation and she just deadpans it you know right. that's it um and he knows he effed up he knows he, he knows he fucked it up um, this scene was also where we see Amaze fierce loyalty show. She's proven to be a lover, not a fighter, but this exchange, <laughs> a, a real lover, <laughs> um, but this exchange brought out some energy, um, that she used to just berate Hath and put him in his place multiple times too, just for good measure. We do love to see it. I mean, yeah. good, good on him. It goes to show just how much she cares about Alita. And you have to imagine that's a sort of caring that Alita really hasn't had much of in her life. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's an Amita moment, but I think it's more of an Amay moment and, and just showing Absolutely. her personality. Um, but we see that despite Amay sticking up for her, Elita is so upset that she doesn't even notice. I mean, she just, she's just, it's, she's just dead. You know, her emotions are, are turned off. And who can blame um, her? Yeah, no one. No one can blame her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also see some Isaac moments. And this is, of course, before we learn of his betrayal, which really stand out. I mean, 
he told Elita that her mom was right to tell her that she should trust no one and everyone is looking out for themselves. Definite foreshadowing that we see before the episode is done. And there, there must have been just so many, just an internal monologue with him, which, again, you can see on his face when he learns through half that Zevelin is, in fact, dead. I mean, yeah, we see in the flashbacks how a whole part of his deal is making sure Lita gets reunited with her mom, and, and without that, what's really in this for her? I mean, Isaac did mean well, but under the circumstances... We can understand why Alita would be livid with Isaac, to say the least. I mean, he does his best to make amends beforehand, but even that's not enough once Alita learns the truth. She's just had her trust betrayed on so many levels. It's that question of who can you really trust? Right. And, and, I mean, not only was she betrayed, but just... The amount of time that passes between betrayals is, what, an hour? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy, um, you know, that she just gets these blows one after another. And, and yeah, right. you're right. He tries to, to soften the blow, but, I mean, how... There's, there's no reason. There's no excuse. Um, I mean, there... His excuse is his family and looking out for himself, but to throw that, to throw Alita under the bus to, you know, and sell her out to Lazaro, really. Right. And, and I mean, as it turns out to, you know, selling out the whole universe, because we all know that Lazaro ends up with what he wanted. <laughs> yep. And, it, and it's all downhill from there. Yeah. Um. Changing gears, we get some bro TP moments between we Isaac do. and May. Love those two together. Yep, same. <laughs> she she offers him a job. They're kind of talking about what's going to happen um, because they assume Alita will be with her mom, of course. Um, and so she's, you know, talking like, oh, yeah, you come and work in the shop with me, even though he is not the best choice for that kind right. of job. <laughs> um, and, and we hear Amay uh, make this metaphor that their their friendship, their team is an engine and it just, it works when they're all together. And it's, and I, it's beautiful. It really is. It's such an apt metaphor and I think it's one that we're, we really are going to come to make sense of over these next few episodes. I mean, we, we, we've seen it before that without one of the three, the, the, the whole team just sort of crumbles apart. Yeah, I mean, everybody ha- everybody plays their part. Exactly. Let's move into the temple. So, just Alita and the three betrayers. She's understandably grumpy. I mean, who wouldn't be? Exactly. I mean, she just found out she lost her mom, for Christ's sake. Yeah, again. I mean, it's one thing losing your mom and dealing with it, and then to lose, quote unquote, lose her again. It's, I can't, can't imagine how the second time must feel. Same. But yeah, so, so she's grumpy, but her snide remark of royal blood, so stupid. Just, it got to me. (laughs) Yeah. 
she's just like I I feel that attitude completely and I mean I gotta say at least Hath was smart enough to inform her that the temple would crumble once the steers ad was removed but he kind of forgot to pass along the info that about the control device that you need to use the steers ad and that may have come in handy a little bit, huh? Yeah, I'll, I'll certainly say. I mean, he he was certainly he certainly at least tried to let her know, but of course the the, the the temple is crumbling and they're just trying to get the hell out of there and she's like, not now and it's this small thing that ends up having massive consequences. And it's like Yeah. Hmm, maybe should have done that before the temple started crumbling. Right, yeah, definitely. So, before we get to the Steers ad, Dengar, why did you volunteer? The whole temple is about royal blood. I mean, we had just had her, you know, use her blood to open the pass, the pathway to lead them to the Steers ad. Why would any of them assume that the result would be the same for Alita as opposed to one of them? I mean, on one hand, I, I kind of get it. There's just that whole awkwardness after the whole, oh, wait, your mom's not here. Sorry, we, we led you along this whole time. And, and I mean, yeah. I, I do kind of get it. There's just that feeling they want to do everything they can to protect Alita, especially given what's happened, even when it's misguided and even when it's at the cost of their own lives. I mean, I, I think of Alita right after the, that death, just just like... Oh, now's the moment you decide to grow a backbone. Yeah. But it's still a heroic sacrifice, that's for sure. Yeah. Dengar, we love you. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. May you rest with Ered and Nim. And we'll get to Krob in, in a minute. But he was incredibly upset. And who can My... blame him? <laughs> um, my headcanon is that he, Dengar, and Irid maybe had a polyamorous situation going on there. And you I know, mean, I could see it. Like, last episode, you could see that Dengar was just ripped apart when Irid um, walked through the, you know, and, and sacrificed herself. Um, and Krob just has that same kind of devastation when uh, Dengar falls, you know, gets his, gets dismembered and falls out of the contraption. Right. Um, which, side note, if you haven't listened to our interview with Leon Klingman, who plays Dengar, he spoke about how that death scene, actually, he cracked some ribs shooting that um, when he fell out. So, Go and, and listen if you haven't, because it's he was absolutely amazing to talk to, and you definitely learn learn stuff about the show. Oh, you do, but I, I, I guess you could say we've got a plot twist going here, because this discussion was really just a way for us to unsubtly plug all the interviews we've done so far. <laughs> for real. <laughs> and there may or may not be one more reference. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So yeah, so you see Alita was scared. I mean, she, you saw her face. She was terrified when she saw what happened to Dengar. But I think she was so mad at Hath that she makes this whole show of saying, well, this is what you wanted, so this is all on you just to make him feel bad. Like, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna go and, and die and 
see how that makes you feel. And I mean, I can't blame her, not one bit, in the heat of the moment. She's already gone through so much, and this just, just adds to that. Yeah. Caption time. Yay! Yay! So, <laughs> there's a whole story in the captions that play out when Elita gets into the machine. So, here we go. I'll break it down for you. It starts off with climactic drumming, then clattering as the stones start moving, and then music cuts out, gasping, and finally stirring epic music as the Steers ad makes its appearance, but that whole underground complex was just all for a tiny little marble. <laughs> Talk about anti-climax. <laughs> right. So we get the, the steers ad, and here's where we get the real action scene. I mean, we had the, the mannequin challenge early on um, with, the, with the vines, which we didn't really mention. Um, but Lazaro and Army are ready to take the steers ad, much to Isaac's dismay, since he was then found out to have betrayed Alita. And, I mean, at least, at the very least, he has the good sense to feel bad. And, I mean, this whole episode, we, we really see how, how everybody is just sort of using the team, whether it's Hef using Alita, Lazaro using Isaac. It, it, you get the idea. Right. And I'm just going to say, even Lazaro can see that there's sparks between Alita and Amei. Because when he wants Elita to hand over the steers ad, he doesn't point the gun at her. He points it at a May. And we just see that Lazaro is tuned into this tactic because a couple minutes later he uses it on Hath by pointing the gun at Elita to get Hath to comply. Right, and you realize that for all we've made fun of him, to a point Lazaro does know damn well what he's doing, and he uses that to his advantage. For sure. So now we're back to Krob. Yes, Krob. we are. A hero in his last moments. You yep. know, he was... He and Isaac were, were buddies. I mean, we saw they that were. in episode three. <laughs> they kind of had... They kind of had a little bro TP mm -hmm. situation. Um, but his last moments were protecting Amei. And that, I think, really says something. It does. And I love that Amei honors him by, by covering his face. And she wants to stay with him. Um, but obviously the temple is... Cr the it's cr Everything is crumbling yeah, around. The ceiling's caving in. <laughs> right. So we've got rest in peace, Krob. We've got half coming up just a couple minutes later. Rest in peace. But we have very mixed emotions about half. Um, but Elita, as as angry as she was with him for lying and the in his betrayal, you could tell that she was sad when he was you know trapped under the under the rocks and and eventually his demise. Um, but I mean, his last act was also heroic as he was saving Alita from the rubble. And, and, and I mean, sure, his intentions here were not the best, but, you, but on, on the whole, you, you, I, I can't think he's that bad of a person mm -hmm. in the end. Yeah. But 
damn, this episode really is something of a turning point. I mean, over the last three episodes, the the teams just sort of expanded significantly, and by the end, everybody is pretty except our regular gang of three is pretty much dead. Yeah, I mean, we doubled our our death count. Right. <laughs> we more than doubled then if you some. count the the dunk rum. Yeah, <laughs> which I do, by the way. Yeah. Rest in peace to everybody. We lost this episode. We will miss all of you. Moment of silence. One person we didn't lose was Lazaro. And I think, as I said earlier, this is an episode where everything changes. And that's especially the case for Lazaro, thanks in massive part to the Steers ad. I mean, we've talked before about how he hasn't been much of a threat to Alita and the team up to this point. But we see as Lazaro is leaving the temple just how much this is this is a game changer for him. Yeah, this episode was a turning point for sure. We don't really see a whole lot of the Steersad's effects other than the troops all falling in, in line at the very end of the episode. But it shows the potential and it really sets up the next episode um, as having the potential for Lazaro to cause a lot of damage. Right. The, the cards are finally falling the right way for him. He has massive amounts of power now. And we will go on to see in the second half of the season, not only how he uses that power, but how having that power changes him. Now I'm getting flashbacks to our Paul Dutois interview. <laughs> Yeah, well, we did we did sneak a peek saying that we would talk about about Paul's interview, but <laughs> he was he was amazing to talk to, and I also I definitely thought about his um his description of Lazaro just you know wanting to help the people and thinking that he was going to be a good leader um, by becoming the leader, and of course going back to the famous quote by John Edward Acton the absolute power corrupts absolutely and right one i mean it's it's a quote from the what, the 1800s which actually he was quoted in the 1800s but i believe the quote is actually um from the 1700s just not that exact quote right anyway i digress <laughs> <laughs> um one more thing i've got to bring up isn't necessarily Lazaro related, but the whole scene with Admiral Rykel and Admiral Kvar is fun. It really with, is. Uh, I mean, you have Admiral Rykel just throwing her napkin and saying, he was your hire. Right. <laughs> Robin, Robin Scott, as usual, on point. Truth. I mean, yeah, yeah, this really is the first time we get to see what's going on in the present on Ariopa. And yeah, the, 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 the chemistry among the group is just fantastic. It really gives you a, sort of, a good sort of idea of the absolute disarray the leadership is in at this point, especially now with Lazaro on the run. No wonder they're mm -hmm. doing everything they can to just get him back and punish him for all the shit he's done. Yeah, that's they're they're at the end of their rope. <laughs> and you can blame them. Yeah. So let's move on to a more happy topic. Let's our, please. Um, <laughs> our Amita moments this episode. 
they they weren't as prevalent as the last episode, which was a gold mine. But we do get some sweet moments. We do. Um, like that, the first scene with them, Elita made sure that Amei is okay, and she does that with the the vine creatures too. I mean, you know, once once um, Isaac saves Elita, Elita just rushes over to Amei and spends the entire time making sure she's all set, while Isaac is having his hero moment and cutting everybody else free. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you see just how much they're coming to trust one another here, and we love to see it. Yeah, and side note, that healing spray would be amazing in our household. But um, my my favorite scene, though, was just watching Alita's face fall when Amei said that she wouldn't join them. Yeah, I mean, you could just see the pain she goes through for a moment there. Being away from the girl you love sucks. Yeah, um, I mean, you definitely, you know, how do you, how do you let somebody down gently? It's like, oh, phew, yeah, I'm so glad you said that. But um, it turned into a joke <laughs> and ended with the moms love me. And it's it's a great scene. It really showcases Amay's personality, which is, you know, she can be playful and, of course, always caring and flirtatious, which yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen it. But, you know, it's all out, you know in-your-face flirtation. <laughs> right. I mean, you see, really see how, how much Amei especially cares for, for Alita. And I think of the line, one of us falls, we all fall. It's just such a tender moment. Yeah. And there's also that adorable handhold that um, Alita, after Alita learns that Half and the Loyalists have, have tricked her into coming to Wix. Right. So just that that um, kind of support supportive uh, gesture of taking taking her hand. Yeah. So let's start wrapping this up. Um, we've got Amay is disappointed that Isaac betrayed Alita, but we end with Alita saying they're done, quote unquote, for good. Well, I guess that's it. That's the season. So much for those five episodes we've still got left. Yeah, we'll just wrap it up. We're, we're done. Yep, that's <laughs> it. It's all over. Uh, joking aside, after everything that's happened this episode, you have to really wonder where things are going to go from here. And I think it's safe to say, speaking as we are from the future where we've seen all ten episodes, that the results mm -hmm. are the precise opposite of disappointing. As as great as this, the first five episodes have been, the next five episodes are absolute pieces of art. Um, yeah, a whole new I, level of greatness. I cannot wait to, 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 to discuss those episodes. Same. All right, favorite lines. I love when Amei interrupts Isaac's, the, his stop moving, you little shit, um, speaking to the Dunkrum, and Amei just goes... What he means is we don't want you to get eaten, friend. Yeah, May really is good with the words there. Mm-hmm. But me, personally, I am a fan of Winnie Butt by my interpretation around the parameters of okay, meaning satisfactory, not good. 
I just love Winnie Bot so much. <laughs> I know. We really did not give her enough credit this episode, but right, she I was mean, only were, in the one scene, but she stole she, it. She stole it. I mean, um, that is true. That is true. There are also a, a, fe- a fair amount of things going on here. <laughs> Truth. I think the episode highlight um, for me was just the whole scene with Amei chewing half out. I mean, she really digs into him. And not only just chewing him out directly, but then she kind of is still like ready to go with Isaac um and you know like oh did I did I do it right did, should I have said more like you know it's just amazing you know the, the that loyalty that we talked about earlier right and, and I and I would agree complete with completely with you as far as it being my favorite scene of the episode it's just it's just great to see how much a May cares for Lita I keep mentioning that but it bears repeating mm-hmm yep how would we rate this? I mean, for me, this is just, it's such a pivotal, game-changing episode, and they handle all these reveals so well. I would give it a nine and a half steers ads. Fair point. Um, I will say, I'll, I'll give it an eight. Um, I'll give it an eight. Poor, innocent dunkrums. <laughs> oh, those poor dunkrums. Yes. <laughs> I mean, to have your eyeball pop from its socket, it's just so gruesome. So much for no animals being harmed in the making of... Well, fictional animals. No real animals, was, of course, were harmed, but... Of CGI animals. But, but what do you feel for those computer animals? Of course, of course. So, as we mentioned, we have more than doubled our death count. So we've got Ered, Clive, Nim... The Dunkrum, Dengar, Krob, half for a grand total of seven deaths. And we're only halfway oh, through oh. the season, folks. Yeah, let's let's see where those numbers go to, huh? <laughs> yeah, speaking of numbers, let's go ahead and do the numbers on the ratings front. Sounds J- good. Just turn this out right into NPR Marketplace. Hey, man, I did the transitions a couple episodes ago. You've got it down this time. (laughs) (laughs) So episode five clocked in at 168,000 viewers. That's down 14,000 regretfully from episode four. And it came in 139th among new cable broadcasts that Thursday. And as far as the ratings among viewers 18 to 49 go... The show ticked down a hundredth of a point to 0.04. And I think this is really when the panic truly set in for the fandom as far as the show's fate goes. And really, it's a damn shame that such a good pivotal episode had it so rough in the ratings. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people gave up after the first episode or two. And then after the third episode, they moved the the time slot, the day and the time. Um, and so they really sh- just should have stuck it a- out a bit. I mean, sci-fi shouldn't have moved it in the first place. Sci-fi should have um, given just... the damn thing a chance. Right. Um, but I mean, you, you have all these episodes. The episodes just kept getting better and better. And some of the best episodes are yet to come. Right, and if the, if sci-fi had just given the show a bit of a chance, I think 
the show really would have had a chance to shine. Definitely. Um, on a little happier note, we have uh, numbers. Our charity drive has ended, and I've got the totals to share with you guys. Um, so we had a total of six charities. <laughs> I, I wish we had like a drum roll. Um, we you can raised... always insert one in the ad. Eh? <laughs> I suppose that's true. Um, we raised a total of $112 for the NAACP, $163.50 for Black Lives Matter, $100 for Color of Change, $42.50 for I Run With Mod, $121.50 for George Floyd Memorial Fund, and $61 for Breonna Taylor. So if you weren't tallying up as I read, our grand total raised was... <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> uh, 650 cents. Yay! It's amazing. I want to thank Adrian for giving us the charities. I want to thank everybody who um, donated prizes for the giveaway that we held. And last but certainly not least, all of you guys who donated. Thank you all so, so, so much. It really meant a lot. Right. Go vagrants. Speaking of which, you know the fight to save Vagrant Queen is still going on, though. There's not really made any major updates happening on that front at the moment, but still, keep supporting the show however you, you can. If you haven't already listened to it, of course, there's our hashtag Save Vagrant Queen episode. If you, haven't, if you haven't already listened to that, take a listen and we'll tell you what you need to know to help out. If you have already listened... Just take some of those things into account and keep this show alive. Yeah, I mean, literally the biggest thing that we can do is talk about it. Be loud on social media. Just keep keep that momentum going. That's what they're looking for, you know? Yep, um, that momentum is key. Yes, yes, it is definitely. I mean, because if we want to get networks to pick it up, they look to see, like, is it worth it? I mean, that's their question is, is this going to make me money? And if there are, you know, five of us shouting into the void, maybe not. But if there's 50, you know, that's a, that's a different, it's definitely a, a different number aspect. Right. You know? So let's, the more of us talking about it, the better. So the fight continues on, Vagrant. Yes, and speaking of vagrants, we have a comment from Kristen on Twitter. She says, I love Isaac's could-be-worse moment just after they crash on Wix when the alien pops its head up through the ground and then reappears close, bigger, and scarier. It feels kind of like the UK and USA's initial reaction to COVID now that I think about it. I can definitely see it. I mean... It just keeps going on with that theme of just how relatable this show is. Yeah, I, it's, it's insane. I mean, they say history repeats itself, but it, usually there's a little bit of time between, <laughs> between repetitions. Right, like I think of the old, I think of the old line, history doesn't quite repeat itself, but it does rhyme and we're seeing it rhyme right now. Oh, I haven't heard that. That's beautiful. 
Love it. Of course, we love hearing from you, Vagrant. So you you know where to go if you want to get a hold of us and talk about the show or the podcast, what have you. But if you've forgotten, we'll remind you about how to get a hold of us in just a few moments here. Yep, that'll wrap things up for the episode. Thank you for listening. As always. Next week, we are talking episode six, Requiem for Republic. And we are looking forward to that one. And we hope you will, too. As always. For now, though, until the next dispatch from Zygestation, this has been a podcast from another galaxy. Not Not yours. We are a fan-driven podcast, which means you help us do what we do, so we appreciate any way you can show your support for our work. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. that's X-I-J-A-D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H-P-O-D. There, you can find current news about Vagrant Queen, our podcast, and many other things happening in the fandom. You can also support us on a long-term or short-term basis through Patreon. Your subscription there helps us cover expenses for the podcast, whether it's hosting costs or giveaways or anything else that makes us the best fan space it can be. To find us on Patreon and to get more information, just go to patreon.com and search Zyja, X-I-J-A. And of course, as a fan podcast, we want to hear from you, the fans. Our email is vagrantqueenpod at gmail.com. You can send us a text or voice recording, whether it's about what's happening on the episode, your thoughts on the show as a whole, or what we're doing here on the podcast. This is an inclusive space, so send us your comments or feedback and make yourself heard. Finally, Podbean hosts new episodes of our podcasts. That's where you can go to find the latest episodes of our programs and keep up to date on what's happening in our galaxy. We also have transcripts available if you need them. That's at zygestation.podbean.com. Till next time, Zygestation, over and out.